Hey, everybody. This is Zach. Hey, everybody that's not Zach. How are we doing? How are we doing being not Zach? We're um, all being good. Hi, Richard. <laughs> um, today we're talking about, well, this is probably going to be first of, of uh, at least two, I would imagine. Uh, I was thinking three parts series on Batman, the animated series. Um, but first, you want to talk about Mimi Mies? Uh, yes. Uh, okay. But first, before my Mimi Mies, um, our sponsor... Uh, our sponsor today is cold ham. Uh, when you leave ham out and it was hot and you leave it out too long, you get cold ham. Still pretty tasty. And when you have ham in the fridge and your fridge is cold, you get cold ham. And it's still very tasty. I don't know. I like the slogan of still pretty tasty. Still pretty tasty. <laughs> Well, uh, I'll go for it because I, I only have like three things and they're they should be super quick, um, but they're very relevant uh, or not very relevant. They're they're comics since we're talking about comic characters. So um, I read through the gigantic omnibus version of Before Watchmen. I don't know if you've ever read Watchmen or any of the, the Before uh, Watchmen. Series. I have read Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I so my library had it and i was like that is a massive tome because it's like just over a thousand pages and i gotta be honest it doesn't really add anything to this like it's it's an interesting read but it's not anything that really adds to what the original watchman does already like a lot of it is already stuff implied and it's like here's something for the dummies (laughs) (laughs) They yeah. couldn't pick up on this explicitly laid out <laughs> uh, yeah. or Im- implicitly laid out um, sub story. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Recommend it if you're a fan of Watchmen. Uh, I don't recommend it if you're not a fan of Watchmen <laughs> because you're not going to have a real good time with it. Um, I, uh, I also read and you may or may not be aware of this, but Keanu Reeves apparently is in love with Wolverine and has always wanted to play Wolverine. And Mm -hmm. so he has a comic book, uh, co-written with Matt kind, um, called is pronounced berserker, but it's B R Z K R K R. Right. And the idea behind it, um, is kind of Wolverine. Like he's, he's 10,000, years old 12,000 years old like he's from caveman times and he just can't die um and it follows him in the present day the first volume kind of is a lot of flashback but um most of it is is uh him being some random wet works operator for the u.s government because they're trying to find a way for him to die like he's agreed to help them because he's like I, I don't want to die, but I like having the possibility of dying if I want to, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a completely foreign concept to me. Like if, if is, I, well, I mean, I guess at some point if the planet explodes, you're just going to be floating around in space, suffocating and then being resurrected and then suffocating again and then being re- <laughs> resurrected. 
Yeah, um, definitely, definitely a Wolverine-like state of affairs. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, it's interesting. Um, he was being interviewed by I think comic book reader, and they explicitly were like, "This seems like a really Wolverine comic book." And then he gushed about Wolverine for like fifteen <laughs> minutes. <laughs> it was just like I've always wanted to play Wolverine. Um, it's like, they told me I was too tall, and I was like, "What? No, I'm not." <laughs> that dude is like, isn't he like six two or six three? He's, like he's, he's a fairly right. tall. Yeah, he's regular tall Hollywood height guy. I mean, Wolverine, I know is 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 a short king, right? Yeah, he's he's, he's like five foot. He's one of the original short kings in yeah. uh, in comic media. I'll have to say. Um. And then the the other thing I read was a graphic novel that came out, uh, I think, late last year called uh, Batman 89. So mm-hmm. it's a comic book that is the illustrated version of what the screenwriter of Batman 89 had intended for the sequel. Oh, that sounds hot. Yeah, it's really, really cool. A lot of it has to do with Billy D. Williams as Two-Face. Which really seems like underutilized. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you kind yeah. of, you know who he is as like a fan. I'm like, oh, that could be him. And then, but still knowing, watching the original, which I I did like this past year. Yeah. Um, you know, just like on HBO Max and like taking it in with... Um, and I'm like, oh, I wonder what his two face would have been, you know? It would have been really crazy looking. Um, I don't know if that's just because it's a comic and they can just do whatever, but um mm-hmm. yeah, no, I, I really like that the original screenwriter was able to do this. Cause, you know, they're doing this a lot with with movies that have had multiple writers. Like there's a um thing I read a few years ago that's William Gibson adapting his original screenplay for alien three which is extremely different from the alien three we got Mm -hmm. um they've put out a an adaptation of the original script by dan o'bannon of the first alien Mm -hmm. which again is very different but but this one specifically is interesting because it focuses a lot on and the guy even in the afterward was like yes this was originally in the sequel that I was intending, this wasn't, um, you know, added for the, the current climate, but a lot of it has to do with how, you know, Bruce Wayne doesn't help, doesn't, or Batman doesn't really help anything. Like he really just beats the shit out of people in the night. Yeah. Bruce Wayne doesn't really help Gotham. <laughs> yeah. Um, cause a lot of it has to do with, with two face, um, Rather than in the Nolan movies where he's referred to that because he's an internal affairs guy, um, this one has to do with his community calling him Two Face because he, as as DA, um, you know, not not a whole lot of great feelings from the the black community that he came from. Yeah, but like he's in that position of power, so he he is actually affecting more change in the community than like batman (laughs) (laughs) um and yeah like there's there's a an introduction to what what could have been the original uh idea for robin i think in batman forever was to have marlon wayans play him um so you see that 
being introduced in this as well. Um, like the guy even, even uh, being being illustrated like Marlon Wayans. Oh, okay. Yeah, I heard about uh, what's funny about that the option setup for that with him that even apparently from what I understand, even though that he didn't get to be Robin, he still got paid. Yeah. Um, oh, they went pretty far. Like they, they, they spent at least a hundred thousand on his costume mm-hmm. and then they just scrapped it. And he, because he was a star, he had a pay or play contract mm-hmm. and it's like, well, sorry, you got to pay me the, the thing you said you were going to pay me. <laughs> yeah. I'd love that. I guess it, I just in in an industry where you hear about people getting screwed over, it is nice. Everyone's like, ah, well, that's what's in the contract. Yeah, I'm sure I'll, yeah, I'll get I mean, some uh, some angry email from someone who's like uncle works at Warner Brothers and licks his boot or something. Not anymore. They laid off a whole lot of people. <laughs> oh, his uncle used to work at Warner Brothers, and it was so yeah. great. He let me lick his boots every day. um but that's my i will i i highly recommend batman 89 it's if if you're interested in what the original sequel could have been Mm -hmm. instead of returns because i i i'm not the hugest fan of returns like i i like it kind of but it's it's uh like i can see why the sponsors or or the the advertisers for that movie were super pissed off at tim burton (laughs) because mm-hmm. i think the only reason it got even at the time it, it got a pg-13 was because warner brothers is warner brothers and they threw some weight around yeah um you know because what, what were the advertisers was, pissed off about oh well so so the first apparently the the first batman film had a bunch of advertisers walk away from it mm-hmm. because everyone associated goofy batman with with the, the license not knowing that tim burton was going to make what he made yeah um like i think like you know they made toys and stuff but not like the th- <laughs> the thing with returns is that when it was so popular like mcdonald's showed up and was like yes we're going to make toys for your kids movie right and they go uh-huh take yeah. the money and release returns that probably terrified children um i don't know i i I, maybe maybe i had some budding like experience that just like really warped me yeah that like media unless it gets really really sick as i was never like oh my gosh uh oh i'm I'm the same way like i i just don't like it because it's it's tim burton being as tim burton as he can be and i'm just like oh all right like it's great. I, I have a very warm place in my heart for Batman Returns. Um, um, but yeah, no, they so, so so when Forever comes out, one of the things that McDonald's specifically, I think, is McDonald's had script approval for Forever. Oh, fuck me, because they they had given a whole lot of money, which is fine i get like i like forever i prefer forever to uh returns personally but no get out of here <laughs> that's because you like trash like the D movie oh oh burn 
<laughs> not really a burn. It's like it's like going to Oscar the Grouch and being like, "Oh yeah, you like trash," and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I do. It's really good." Yeah, you want some? <laughs> like, I, I'm in a trash can. I'm very comfortable with what I like and who I am. <laughs> so that's Zach. You can't really be a bird. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's me uh, for uh-huh. this week. What 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 have you been? Uh, doing i i know you've you've had some recent changes to your life <laughs> um yeah so i've been uh yep exactly so that's me <laughs> <laughs> it's the okay. the title of this uh segment is hilarious um in the context of there has been no me 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 time uh really <laughs> for many many months and i envision many many years um because, uh, yeah, I have a, uh, a little one. Uh, she's awesome. And she's, um, you know, I was never hypothetically, uh, you know, I never thought about kids and being like, oh, this is my conception of what I want. This is what I want to have. Um, you know, uh, this is exactly what I'm thinking, other than thinking about if I did, this is the kind of person I'd want to be as a parent. And, um, so I'm just doing that, but, um, you know, I don't, I didn't have any preconceptions about, uh, how, how I'd feel about the experience. Um, well, I knew I'd be committed to it. So there is no me, me, me time basically, uh, but I have interests that I skulk around in and squeeze in between the corners, I'll hide in the closet, watch something on my phone, you know, uh, I'll go into a parking lot of a Hardee's and just have a good cry and think about something that I like a lot. Um, no, I haven't like been that guy on, online whose kid is allergic to peanuts. So he, he spends a weekend every now and then in a hotel and just eat like gorges himself with peanut butter. So that's like, I know he, he had to have been like, you know, they might be able to get my IP address. So let me not tell them that what I actually do is just cover the bed in a plastic tarp and I just roll in it. I just roll an extra crunchy and the all natural. And for Jif, I like Jif because of its, its sticky coverage. He's like, I can put Jif right on my chest and the all natural, that stuff drips. And I like the way that it drips. Believe me, baby. But the way Jif like holds me and cups me mm-hmm. on uh, on my man breasts is just I can't miss out on it too. So I know Someone that's what that they committed to peanut butter definitely has man. Yeah, boobs. Like, yeah, like that unspoken. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's got man boobs. He's uh, he's done things to peanut butter cans. Um, <laughs> he knows exactly how long you need to put the can in to get the center warm, but not too hot. seconds um yeah so that's uh and then a couple of button presses of micro express just yeah flavor yeah somewhere in my brain after hearing that original story that my interpretation of it was just gestating in the reverse (laughs) right then um i don't know so um yeah, not a lot of me, me, me time, um, but we do watch things, uh, myself and my wife. Um, what have we taken in? Um, 
yeah, I've firsthand and then secondhand taken in a lot of the uh, the Paramount does, um, Star Trek shows. Oh, okay. And um, like Discovery yeah. and Strange New Worlds and those. Yeah, yeah. Strange New Worlds is is uh, is very cute because um, the people that were like, oh, Discovery isn't like Next Generation enough for me, where you have like an episode of the week and like you focus in on characters really intensely. And that's Strange New World. Like they focus in on character yeah. arcs. Yeah. Um, Discovery does that too. I was talking with my wife about it because she's you know seen several seasons and I've taken in at least a season or two secondhand. Um, Discovery really highlights like larger story arcs and they have like things that kind of branch over um you know multiple arcs within like a season and then there's a larger arc overall within the whole season and so they really have um a format like that whereas uh strange new worlds you get a little bit more character focus and a little bit more of the interactions that you'd have on like a next generation and that ilk you know that followed because um, yeah. next generation is great and that you'll just get like poker games you know they're not doing anything <laughs> but you have these characters that you know and interact with um and it's i think it's really great because with um with a larger story arc um yeah. like you're in it in a cinematic way because you're you're you know that this is playing a part to lead you to here and you have an understanding that like this is where we're going to end um and then the experience is kind of bridged. So you watch things in small arcs and like series form. And so that leads to just a different kind of storytelling, I guess, like a more modern um, TV watching. Yeah. And um, that can be really satisfying. What, and I, sorry, excuse me. What uh, I really appreciate about the episodic format, one, because like with older TV, you can kind of hop in and out you know, yeah. episode by episode, you don't really need to know what happened in the episode before. Sure. Um, and some things do obviously carry over. Um, you know, Wesley carries over just being Wesley for many seasons and episodes. <laughs> but um, you, the way that things carry over is like you'll have an episode about like data and like a specific thing that's happening in data's existence and some kind of understanding that he's trying to get. Right. And then you'll have him in another episode where Data's like a, you know, one of the central characters that the story's around. And that episode that you saw before, like, informs some of the interactions and, like, what you understand Data's trying to do maybe in this episode. Yeah. Um, so you kind of, like, you get, to, you get to zoom in, get really, and then you get to pop back, back out again. Um, and that's really great because you get, you can get, like, a poker game on next generation and you can be like oh this is really entertaining um you could have someone say well what is this you know it doesn't serve a series arc that scene that scene can just be that scene and it can serve a purpose within the context of the episode and to like just to be a cool thing that happens right um whereas with something like discovery you'll get stuff but they they have to get somewhere so they don't like zoom in that close really because they got they got to get from here to there um and so it makes for a different kind of you know watching experience and yeah. um yeah yeah 
I think what they're doing is smart in that they they can get fans um, who like a particular kind of uh, storytelling style, right. and they can watch Strange New Worlds, um, or they can get fans that you know are looking for something that's a little bit more contemporary in its structure, so they can watch Discovery, um, and then they can get fans that are open to different kinds of stories, and they'll watch all of them. You know, um, well, you know, what's funny is and, and I, th- I think I was texting this with with your wife when she was talking about y'all. Watching how dare you, you bastard. New ones. But but uh, what she was saying is, is, yeah, no, I think you would like uh, Discovery. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's funny. I had a lot of people recommend that to me. Um, I My understanding is that it's it's like the progressive one. Mm-hmm. Um, what I didn't share is that yeah the the people that that have recommended it to me i didn't know anything about it and so i immediately go to the internet and go star trek discovery and the autofill at the time was woke is ruining star trek (laughs) (laughs) i was like oh i see why this show was recommended to me (laughs) (laughs) it's something that the olds hate (laughs) yeah I, i don't get it i really don't get it um the thing is though like star star trek because like star trek is fundamentally a utopian uh it's it's about a utopian it's it's a utopian utopian progressive collective like you have the federation and how you're like how, how anyone could possibly with the straight face go star trek is too woke it's like my man if (laughs) Have you not like watched any of it? Like even in the sixties? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. It's so funny when people misunderstand the purpose of, of sub media. <laughs> yeah. Like the subtext it just kind of fails. And I, I think what you'll get to is um I've seen this growing up with um and I th- I think you would do a disservice to um if you didn't just put in that okay some people don't like specific styles of storytelling yeah um and that's fine like i can understand from a storytelling perspective why someone might prefer discovery to strange new worlds and strange new worlds to discovery you know um but if it's it's kind of like uh if the the cast and the writers and the people that are on the show are inclusive and have multiple different viewpoints and backgrounds, because by the way, that's what the Federation is all about, bringing people together of like disparate views and even like cultures yeah. um, and like, uh, you know, different understandings, like to get a next, you know, next generation, um, you know, has, um, you know, a freaking Klingon, you know, serving on. And it's like an endless source of like um, reconciliation between like this warlike culture and, um, but still uh, occasionally, you know, working with the Federation. So it's, it's especially primarily like on the cast, like it's about understanding people from different backgrounds and working together towards a common goal. And, um, I'd say it 
it does follow more in um, like at least uh, visually and larger story arc things from like the J.J. Um, Abrams, like Star Trek movies. Yeah. Um, but those are not, <laughs> those are not as solid. Uh, the first one's fun, you know, and the second one's interesting, but they, they've done storytelling a lot better on the Discovery show in like a more modern context. It's not to say the movies are bad. Yeah, but, um, I mean, you know, the, the Kelvin movies, um, I don't know. So, like, I, I find them fun. Um, they're fine. I'm also not a huge Star Trek fan. So, mm-hmm. so like, I'm, I'm divorced enough from it that I can go, okay, I can understand why someone who is a hardcore fan of Star Trek does not like them. Because, yeah. If, I mean, with the trappings of it, like, it's skinned in Star Trek, but it's really just a generic sci-fi. Yeah, it's like, just like you, an action sci-fi movie. that out, yeah, yeah. like, it, it would just be a, a bang-bang blow-em-up action thing. And it's like, there's a time period for that in the Star Trek timeline. Mm-hmm. I don't know if <laughs> original series is the right time frame, because, like, it, yeah. it was pretty utopian at that point. Yeah. Like, because they're on a science mission. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, as they as they bring up many a time, uh, like we're we're a science vessel, you know, um, and then you know they have off punching a lizard <laughs> in the face. Yeah, and they have to like <laughs> blow shit up or do something else, you know, something actiony. Um, so I can see you know, like genuine criticism, but um, and it is different. Like when I was watching Discovery, I was like, oh okay, all right, she's the main character. All right, cool. Oh wow, this is oh. Klingon human sex seems oh really rough. I mean, <laughs> that's that's not even really consensual because like he's a prisoner, he's just trying to get a way to survive, and they. I mean, that's one of the the reasons why um, yeah. his captive is able to survive such a long time in captivity. Um, and um, <laughs> those kind of power dynamics, gross. Um, and. Uh, but so if if you're looking for like episode of the week, then yeah, that's not that's not really discovery. But if you're open to a lot of the basic tenets of like a Star Wars or a Star Trek show, um, like it's there for you, baby. Like it's it's there. You may not like it, but it's it knows what it is, and um, it keeps on executing on that. So. Um, okay. yeah, so that's been a big thing we've watched together. Um, oh, other than that, I'm, uh, just working and, um, I'm sure I've done other things since I've talked to you, but it's all, it's, it's all, all a blur. blur. All okay. A blur, well, maybe. we can just jump on into Batman then. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess some of my, my pre-production stuff is, is, you know, this is, we're, we're just talking about 92 to 95, the, the two season 85 episode show, because, you know, I, as, as Richard and I were talking off mic, um, this is just kind of the starting point for a whole bunch of different good versions of media mm-hmm. like this, that, that kind of exploded out from this point. Yeah. The so universe like, and whatnot. Yeah. Like at a certain point you have to cut it off and go, okay, this is, <laughs> 
this is where we're going to stop talking about it because um, there are other podcasts that, that do chronological dissections of every episode of Batman stuff. And uh, guys, well, with that, we are announcing a new format where we're going over <laughs> the Dini and Timverse. And we are going to be watching all the collected media from that. Each episode will be a deep dive onto every episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, you know, if people want that, um, Tom and Jeff watch Batman is a fantastic show. Yeah. Um, uh, but but don't forget, Back Row DC Show is uh, debuting next week. Okay. <laughs> I'll get on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, this did have two feature films, Mask of the Phantasm, which I love. Um, I saw that one in theaters. <laughs> Uh, so, sorry, Dini and Timverse. Sorry, I had, people would be angry if I didn't include this. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of other. Um, and then there's one uh, that's Sub Zero. Uh, it's it's the Mister Freeze one that that people really really seem to like. Um, mm-hmm. This, you know, the show. I I don't think I have to say it. It's it's consistently counted as one of the goats. Um, yeah, like I think it's it, for it, good it, reason. It, yeah, for a lot of firsts, watch rewatching it after not seeing it for a really long time, um, and putting yourself back in the headspace of 1992. Uh huh. <laughs> like, there's some amazing stuff that they did for this show. I mean, they went through a shit ton of animation studios as well. Like, they bankrupted one studio in Japan, uh, Spectrum. Uh, just because of they kept sending the episode back with Mr. Freeze because they didn't airbrush the helmet right. Mm-hmm. They wanted airbrushing in every frame of animation for Heart of Ice. Mm-hmm. And it bankrupted that studio because their contract was such that they had to deliver a finishable, airable product before they could work on other stuff. Yeah, it's uh, really intense. Uh, it, well, bunging off of that, I know Zach wants to get through his uh, notes thing. But um, I don't care. I've known Zach too long to care about that shit. <laughs> um, so speaking of Spectrum, it was is really odd um, in that I was watching several of the episodes and noticing, you know, because now I'm not, you know, seven, you know, six years old watching the original series. Like this, and I remember seeing like obviously BTAS is different from the stuff that comes after in like animation style. But even within that first series, watching animation styles like change and like have variabilities <laughs> and like differing levels of quality in like fight scenes and like yeah. backdrops. Um, and I was watching one episode last night um, that was, uh, I think it was Robin's Reckoning. Yeah. Okay. Robin's Reckoning. Um, let's see. Yeah. Part one. And I was watching it. And I was like, wow, this is. The animation style is totally different from a lot of the rest of what you see in there. And I was talking to Hannah, and I was like, that looks like a Japanese animation at the time. Um, like from like the animations and the the elasticity of the characters, like the way that they would move was just more fluid. And the, when they talk, and like especially like Joker, um, in some in some some of the other episodes, um, you'll get like a stretchy quality you know, to not for a spectrum, but you'll get a stretchy quality to the animation. Um, and it's just different the way they're trying to deal with perspective in different scenes, but there's a really great, um, 
scene in Robin's Reckoning, I believe, where he's uh, meeting up with someone and he's trying to do, um, like, get information out of him. And he does that, like, knuckle crunch where he's, like, up there, like, shadows. And I'm like, this is, someone spent a lot of time just making this smooth. Yeah. Like, it's not jerky. Like, it's close up. They don't have to do a lot of backdrop. The only thing they have to really animate and focus on is just the hand movements and the cracks. So they're like, oh, I'm going to spend some time in this. And um, Well, like, that's one of the things that made this such a, such an intensive show to work on. Um, Because a lot of times the stuff with Batman, especially for the, the opening, I think, started out on black paper. So, like, mm. it's drenched in darkness. That's not a common technique, as I understand it. Um, but also, they they kind of insisted on frame rates that were closer to film than animation. Mm. Like, I think animation is, like, 16 or 17 frames a second. And film is closer to between 24 and 30, um, depending. And so, like, when you're hand animating all this, like, that's a big ask yeah that's, that's a third more work you know efforts yeah. but i mean you know it, it looks closer to film and it looks good but it explains why they had let's see five six seven eight nine they had 10 animation studios working on this yeah you can um, see it too like in scenes like batman will react to something yeah and in another cartoon um they'd maybe just like They'd have his face, there'd be an explosion. But like someone says something uh, that Batman likes and you see like him smile yeah. and they just, they animate the smile. They didn't have to do that for like a kid's show, you know, yeah. as far as like, oh, capture that detail. Uh, but as an adult and even as a kid, you kind of pick up, you know, you may not know all the threads, but you know when Batman smiles, oh, he's smiling. He kind of likes that, you know? Um so yeah, there's just a lot of little small details like that that really, uh, even as an adult, you know, reward viewing. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I didn't know this at the time, obviously. Um, going back and, and looking at notes for this, like all of the storylines other than three of them were just adaptations from the 70s run. Mm-hmm. So it's like the people working on this were probably pulling storylines that they were fans of when they were kids reading comic books. Yeah. Which is interesting. Um, Like one of them, Robin's Reckoning is apparently from 1940 and then Bullet for Bullock is from 92. But Robin's Reckoning won a, like I was just looking at the the episode, it actually won an Emmy, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, Makes makes sense um outstanding animated program i see here yeah yeah 93 it, it won the uh a primetime emmy so i mean the animation nothing. in there yeah i mean, I, <laughs> I i was like i was like oh i gotta mention that because i didn't know like it was spectrum i just looked up the name of the episode and who animated it and i was like oh the spectrum oh they went out of business that sucks they did a really great job here yeah heart of ice bankrupted <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Whoever showed Dini the the frames for Mister Freeze with airbrushed thing, like in my head, I'm like, Dini sees it and is like, do this for every frame. <laughs> Mail so wait, that no, shit I just back to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> 
wait for them to do it. They send wait for them to send it back. (laughs) Yeah, those contracts can be a bitch. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, Obviously, it's the first appearance of Harley Quinn. Um, Joker could have been voiced by Tim Curry if he didn't come down with bronchitis the the day that they were doing um, first first capture lines with the Joker. Yes, um, because Christmas with the Joker was supposed to be episode one. Mm-hmm. Instead, we got the, in my opinion, far superior on leather wings. <laughs> um, uh, it's it's okay. It's good. It's um, all right. They okay. uh, the well, and and you know, just looking at the voice cast, they have Ron Perlman doing Clayface. They have Roddy McDowell as the Mad Hatter. Um, mm-hmm. David Warner as Rachel Gould. Kate Mulgrew as Red Claw, Ed Asner as Roland Daggett, which I forgot that Ed Asner voiced Roland Daggett in this. I don't know how I forgot that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Adrian Barbeau is Catwoman, <laughs> which I did not appreciate that as a kid, but as, as an adult, I'm like, that's a that's a pretty big get for a kid's TV show. Yeah. There's uh, rumors that... Uh with curry that i guess the production team didn't actually like his version of joker Hmm. i don't know if that's actually accurate and that's why he didn't come back yeah i mean i could see him probably doing the same voice as he did for pennywise Um, Mm -hmm. i like tim curry but mark i mean mark hamill is is the joker yeah (laughs) but that's all i got for pre-production notes um I don't know if you wanted to go like favorite episodes. Oh, or... so sorry. Sorry. I'm going to do a nerd thing. So multiple jokers, like, you know, in, in the current. Yeah. Comic run, they have like this multiple joker theory line and it may not be totally current, but after the past current uh, past couple years, it's been an interesting. Yeah. Thing. There's, there's three, there's uh there's the criminal, the mm-hmm. lunatic and the comedian. Yeah. So the comedian, I think, Think, uh, that one's based him. off of the the Alan Moore. Um, uh, what is the one that Alan Moore did, where there's an implication that Batman murders the Joker? Yeah, it's it's the one where where, where Joker um, does horrible things to Barbara Gordon. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The criminal, the comedian, and the clown. Yeah. So I was trying to think, but I feel like you could have a version of Mark Hamill doing one of those, and you could have Tim Curry doing another rendition of one of the other ones. Because uh, there's one of them I think is much more menacing. I think that's... Uh, the criminal is the one that's kind of older and is is more menacing and, and um, yeah, know, talk softly, carry a big stick type. Yeah, I think that would be... That would be great with Tim Curry, because um, yeah. that's what he embodies, like that menace and that yeah. intensity. And he'd be able to laugh, but you, it wouldn't be like, <laughs> you know, like Mark Hamill's uh, rendition of, of yeah. the Joker. So I could see that. That'd be great. I mean, that's yeah, not, that's yeah, no, Mark, Mark Hamill, I think, would be great as, as the clown. Tim Curry mm-hmm. is the criminal. Um Although Tim Curry is the comedian might be good because the comedian is actually the most fucked up of all of them. Yeah. 
in my in my opinion yeah. um like the criminal has some lines i mean i know he's retired but it'd be great to get jack nicholson voicing the comedian <laughs> or the the uh, criminal <laughs> yeah i don't think tim curry's coming back for that uh he's had some medical he's stuff. had some anyway. pretty major health uh yeah scares yeah sad stuff but Which, um, he's at that age uh, did you yeah. have any other pre pre-production things that i may have missed or, or skipped over um no, i mean there's a no. lot that that you could there's, talk about with this show, yeah. But, yeah yeah i i did enjoy um like eyeballing and trying to see when they um reused maybe certain backgrounds yeah. i'm not sure if they did that with like pretty poison the poison ivy episode and then there's another episode in his silicon soul that also has a greenhouse um but obviously it could just be like the same design, different production studio and whatnot. It um, must've been hard to keep things even as consistent as they were, because you'll, you still notice like, Oh, uh, the animation is much smoother. This episode, um, the fight scene looks better. Um, Harley and Ivy, um, that episode, episode 47, um, I noticed they're like they're and I believe they're done a little bit better there than maybe Ivy in one of the other episodes. Um, that it still stylistically has this cohesive palette and like background that it's still just it doesn't feel as disjointed. Which you can even get with like comic book runs. You know, you'll have the same comic book run by you know several different authors and maybe like the same writer. You know, for like a year. Right. And they're, you'll get like vastly different um, art styles, quality. Oh, man. Yeah, I know it's hard work. Unless you're like the Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like just the random freelance artists mm-hmm. that they do pick up. It's very inconsistent. <laughs> yeah. And it can be rough, too, because you can you and you know, too, this is not a crack on uh, comic book artists because they they have to deliver work at such a rapid pace. You oh, know, yeah. if you're talking about a big, big publication cycle, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and then get it back to everyone else and then get feedback. So you'll have pages that are really great. You know, they'll have like a, a still shot and then they have to do an action shot and maybe like a, a character doing a somersault isn't their forte in something they practice. And so it's just, it kind of looks like they splattered onto the page. Um, <laughs> so it's it's a wonder with how many frames they have to do that there was any consistency in style yeah. here but um yeah no no more nitty-gritty stuff i uh i had aspirations initially on this podcast to just try to do things really in depth and deeply and like go back um and that's why the first couple episodes just usually took like weeks because i yeah. take so much time to try to dive in and i mean there's just not enough there's not enough time for that unless that's what you're really going to focus on yeah you know um yeah but uh yeah so if i was going to do that i'd i'd have to spend quite a bit of time to make a contribution so i'm just going to give my impressions okay gotcha Mm -hmm. well um yeah i have in that case then i have uh six episodes uh that I can talk about this episode, this, this, uh, episode. Um, oh, did you mean 16 was... episodes? 16. <laughs> <laughs> you meant 16. Uh, well, I mean, between the, the, the first, first kind of arc of the show, 
Um, yeah, I love episode number one. I remember seeing it primetime, mm-hmm. um, like after school. Um, the Cat and the Claw? Wings. Do what? The Cat and the Claw is the first episode on uh, the way that it's set up in HBO Max. But you're oh, meaning on Leather really Wings. strange because mm-hmm. I, I have the. Um, the Blu-ray set that has it on by has it by air date. Yeah. Yeah. And I think on air date is more accurate. I think yeah. I noticed too, that the introduction here, while mostly makes sense, they did take some liberties in, um, in something yeah. like that. Cause you're introduced to like Catwoman um, in a part one and part two. And it's, uh, it's like, well, why? I mean, I'm just getting introduced to Batman right now. Like, why have, like, yeah. someone else be, like, a titular character here? So. Well, and it's funny. I don't know how they come up with, with what episodes are in the seasons because, you know, On Leather Wings, I'm looking at it right now, uh, air date, prime time is September 6th, weekday was September 24th because that's how a syndication works. Uh-huh. Then episode two is Christmas with the Joker, which is yep. a November 13th, December 27th for prime time. And then episode three is September 15th. So it's like, well, wait, well, then obviously nothing to fear is the second episode, right? Yeah. (laughs) No, apparently in the production schedule, Christmas with the Joker was number two, even though it didn't air until way later in the season. Yeah. I feel like that was the first episode I saw of this series, potentially. Um, I don't know if because it was a Christmas thing and I just saw it and I was, you know, or they, it was on a replay, because I don't know if I watched this on first out, so I don't know if yeah. I saw like the Christmas episode around Christmas or something, as far as like its air date. Um, yeah. That's that's what I remember when I think of the first time seeing that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I, yeah, I I really like On Leather Wings. Um, it's it's one of those dumb stories where it's it's a monster thing. Really it's like, the weirdest it's, thing to I, start I really your like season out off. Sex, like I really like, and then after that, and the next sentence is going to be like talking about okay, how dumb it is, but let hear me out. <laughs> it's cool well, because of this. It's bizarre that like okay, so in the public consciousness at this time in in ninety. Two at this point, I'm pretty sure Batman Returns was in theaters. So mm-hmm. you think they would do something with the Penguin, something with Catwoman, maybe something with the Joker? No, we're gonna do something with Man Bat. Yeah, <laughs> like it's just a really bizarre choice, um, yeah. which I think speaks to the strength of the show because the fact that they got syndicated after that shows yeah. that enough people tuned in and were kind of rocking with it uh the animation I, 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 for i wonder with that the choosing of on leather wings if it was like some exact or production thing is like oh batman well what if they think he's like uh you know like a bat you know like man right what if, well, shouldn't we try to clarify that for them it's like oh okay we'll we'll bring we actually wait hold on we have this character called Man Bat, and we'll put him in the episode together, and you'll understand that they're different. He's just a man who dresses up like a bat. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, studio execs all the time just assume their audiences are dumb, which, I mean, isn't wrong. But... Isn't wrong. It's... <laughs> you, can, you can bank on stupidity, or at least, like, you know, non-education. 
uh, yeah. Uh, pretty often. Yeah. But I mean, like this, this one, um, the thing that struck me rewatching it is how fluid some of the fight scenes are in this, especially because a lot of them are in the air where mm-hmm. Batman has like, uh, uh, a cable attached to man bat and man bat's just like well fuck this i'm out yeah <laughs> i'm flying yeah <laughs> um it's, wait it's wait wait the... you're you're batman but you you can't fly oh okay oh, i'm sorry i'm man bat <laughs> i can I fly, can fly. <laughs> plus the um the 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 toy line there was a man bat figure mm-hmm. like you hit the thing on the back and the the gigantic ass wings would flap um I think Man Bat has a really cool monster design. Um, like even as a kid, the uh, the my favorite episodes of the spoilers are going to be the more horror influenced ones. Um, you know, uh, yeah. Like I'm just looking at pictures of Man Bat now. He's he's pretty much consistently always looked the same. Uh, kind mm-hmm. kind of werewolfy with with the big weird ears. Yeah, now and then they'll give him gar- a- gargoyle like he could have yeah, been on gargoyles. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, I mean that that's that's the the first one that that you know I saw and the first one that made me go, "Oh, this is cool. Why can't the movies be like this?" <laughs> and and that was one of the budding moments of Zach and his leather armchair quarterbacking. <laughs> it began young it began yeah. young um yeah well so did, did you have anything to comment on with on leather wings uh bah, uh it's 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 it it's not my favorite um i think it's the, kinda goofy. Uh, yeah <laughs> it's kind of goofy i actually like the the second appearance of um man bat where um the guy's trying to convince that, uh, Hey, it's not me. Like I took, I took your antidote Batman. I'm not the, the man bat. It ends up being that it was his, uh, his wife. Yeah. Um, because her, his wife's father was still experimenting with the formula and she got some on her from like a cut vial. So I actually like that episode better. Oh, okay. Um, I think, um, this was pretty early run in my watch and I would have seen it at least three or four months ago yeah and i watched them pretty much in chronological order oh okay Um, so not that i didn't like it um but it's not amongst like it's not like my first episode so maybe it didn't make an impact on me in the same way yeah okay uh well did you have one specifically you wanted to talk about or did you just i got a ton man i told you i got 16 of them okay Um, well, shit. I, I I'm not gonna. Go I'm not gonna dive as deep, though. Let me. Uh, going on from there, I'll, I'll keep it towards the beginning. Um, okay. So you could talk about Heart of Ice. I think the Sub Zero movie, from my memory, really goes in harder because you got more time. Yeah. Um, he does come across. Um, Mr. Freeze is very sympathetic and all that. You know, that that image of Mr. Freeze. And his his basically his frozen porcelain wife is now part of the Batman mythos and belongs in the road gallery because it's such a uh, such a, a, a gothic romantic kind of image, yeah. you know, her just kind of like floating, you know, in her tube. Um, 
much like uh, you know Beauty and the Beast with uh, the rose and, and whatnot. Um, so, but I, I I'll just say that it was it was great to rewatch it again. Um, I won't go into uh, him as a character deep into details, but I can see why he captured the you know the fans' imagination from then on. Um, with that, oh yeah, yeah. Heart of Ice, honestly, is is one of the ones that was on my list. Like it's, you can tell that it's a Tim Deeney uh, collaboration. Um, mm-hmm. Make the villain more interesting, you know, uh, and sympathetic than the, and, yeah, the hero. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Because it, it's the first one where you know Tim is de- uh, directing and Deeney is is writing, mm-hmm. um, and I think that it was. I think it's the second aired right uh it's showing as the fourth right after on leather wing so that's probably right oh okay gotcha um yeah i mean this this one like i said it was on my list it's amazing to me how they can make a an episode of a kid's cartoon that when i was a kid watching it i was just like this is kind of boring but it looks cool and as an adult i'm like oh my god like lump in my throat (laughs) watching it um I mean, this this episode won a uh, granted it's a it was a, a daytime Emmy Award, but it was it was a 93 Emmy Award uh, for outstanding writing. Yep. Um, uh, and you can see which why for I mean, the... anyone that doesn't know the primetime Emmys are the ones that are typically like televised or were televised. I don't know if they still do them. Daytime mm-hmm. Emmys are more like the. The like. I don't think that they're televised a lot of them are like technical awards um it's to use the awkward the 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 oscar comparison it's the section of the oscars that don't really get aired because no one really (laughs) no one outside the industry wants to see who won it because they're not familiar with it no type thing um so yeah i mean um reintroducing myself to uh the memory of first seeing it you know he's there um uh he's trying to help out his wife you know this money grubbing um dude at the company's like coming to shut down his project etc but he just he won't even like wait to hear what he's trying to say because like look my wife's floating in a tube over there if you could just give me a second here uh at least not turn this machine off so i can try to like keep her alive uh, but he's like, nope, just shut this shit down. What do I need to do? <laughs> <laughs> what do I need to hit with the chair to get this stuff to, to turn off? Um, it's amazing to me in this show how many times someone's go- like immediate go-to for turning off equipment is not pulling a lever or hitting a button. It's I'm going to break it with this fucking chair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, and I think it's like some other accident occurs, but that's uh, that's basically the kind of impact. Um so people who have it committed to memory every frame, it probably wasn't a chair, but I'm just trying to highlight the level of action um, yeah. <laughs> and ridiculousness of, of the moment. Um, one episode, um, and then it, I'm, I'm trying to find segue points to talk about larger details in the show. Um, the Rogues Gallery is one. I mean, that's obviously that's been talked about quite a bit. Yeah. Um, in BTAS, where the the enemies, the the bad guys, are, are just as interesting and more interesting depending on the focus of the show. 
because Batman also does get his due in yeah. many episodes and many moments. So it's not like he uh, forgive, you know, retreats to the shadows, if you will. Proud of myself for that one. Um, and uh, so, there, so there's other episodes where you get to focus on even Bruce Wayne or his relationship to some other character as Batman and as Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Um, but this is a great example of where um, Batman's a vehicle to show you a story about another character that for this episode we think is really interesting. So right. here, um, let me show you that. And following right on from that is um, Fida Clay, uh, the Clayface. The, um, oh, hey, Clayface. another one that was on my list. It's <laughs> great. I won't say a lot about that other than even as a young kid watching um, Clayface's reaction to not being able to get his goo um to like mask his appearance um and like just remembering like when he's manipulating his face and just how grotesque that is he's just like it's so body horror i think that was my introduction to body horror and and what set me on my path because like that is my favorite type of horror hands down because it's it's so fucked up usually zach's zach's watching this everyone imagine this at this moment not in too great detail uh Zach's watching this and he's like, oh, my my pants feel funny right now as he's watching the body <laughs> horror go on. Yeah, no, the 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 thing with Clayface, like you're you're right. Like he's he's like I remember the first like time watching that episode where he like puts his hands on his face and then everything just starts moving in really unsettling ways and just being like, oh god, that's fucked up. I kinda like it. <laughs> exactly um they do a lot with sound in this show like they don't shirk from like squish sounds yeah. uh and like to emphasize with Clayface, like the just the gushy nature of him and like taking the yeah. the product out of the container and smushing it on his face um yeah. and so that was like as a kid different ideas get into your head and and so one of them is like oh okay well like yeah, if you focus too much on your physical appearance, regardless of what it is, you know, and the difficulties involved in that, you can really mess yourself up, you know, because you're trying to reach this standard of some kind of image um, that isn't attainable, you know, or it requires too much from you. And really, there needs to be like a level of acceptance in that. Yeah. And so there's a lot of stuff, particularly in here, Heart of Ice, um, many other episodes uh, one that I don't really want to talk about in great depth, like be a clown where the father's, uh, like ignoring his son, the Joker shows up to this, uh, you know, this birthday party and the kid ends up going off with the Joker and learning from this, the clown, which is, yeah. you know, the Joker, which he's not aware of. And so like, uh, I think that's, is that the DA at the time or the mayor? Anyways, it's um, the mayor. It's the mayor's yeah. son. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, oh yeah, you know, you should like focus on your kids, you know, cause they, you know, the relationship between like a, a parent and child and whatnot. So you get like little small ideas and like, uh, showing demonstrative rather than just like telling, Hey, you know, you should try to pay attention to your kids. Like if yeah. someone's standing up in front of you, if you can tell it within a story and wrap up that concept, it's 
easily digestible for a young mind. It takes root there and, you know, it can have some positive benefits. Um, yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of that, which I think um, is great, uh, but it all always serves a storytelling purpose um, in my you know, memory here. And uh, it's never um, pedantic in that way. So, and when everyone's like, man, these stories are like, nowadays the cartoons are so woke. And it's like, there's stories in here too. You just don't remember the subtext. Maybe when you first introduced yourself to the material. Yeah. It's Um, like, okay, you were eight. I don't think you were picking up on the subtext here. Um, Yeah. You know, I well, I mean, one of my favorites, uh, which you're probably going to roll your eyes at this, is mm-hmm. uh, the Forgotten. Forgotten. Do you know that one off the top of your head? It's so there's a, a bunch of disappearances in the the homeless community. And oh no, so, that's that's a great episode. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. He so so yeah, like Bruce Wade goes undercover and gets kidnapped and yeah. thrown in the what is it called? Like the hot box. Yeah, it's like a work camp. <laughs> Um, um, yeah, yeah, and and yeah, just really shows how deplorable, um, you know, like this is this is a hundred percent an anti-prison <laughs> mm-hmm. episode. Yeah, anti-prison, how... the subjugation of labor, you know, stuff that happens yeah. in prisons now in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, um, where you know labor is used by uh, people captive. Yeah, like that's a pretty woke episode, uh, if you're going to yeah. call it woke. <laughs> yeah, and respecting the humanity of, you know, people that are homeless, you know, yeah. these people, you know, have meaning and value in lives. And you see a little bit of the story related to that. Because um, in that situation, it, regardless of the actual impact that Bruce Wayne is maybe having on the homeless community in Gotham, yeah. which is like probably a big fat O. Zero, yeah. <laughs> At least in this universe, he's working in like a soup kitchen, you know, like a help shelter. Mm-hmm. He hears, oh, like homeless people are disappearing. Let me investigate that. Um, which is probably, you think about it now, if a bunch of homeless people disappeared, it's probably not going to be on the highest list of priority of the local, uh, you know, police force. I'm sure they investigate it. People but. run for mayor on the platform of let's get rid of homeless people. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so less homeless cool. people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> less homeless people is probably noticed as like a positive thing in. Uh, yeah. That, in, that in fat government. warden who can apparently suck the chicken off the bone and <laughs> one great spell swoop would be mayor of Gotham if this were in the real world. Man. Just imagine that guy giving you a sloppy noppy on your toppy. Just, dude, what that tongue do? That man, man he gets every bit of chicken uh-huh. out of that bag. Yeah, um, and there's a there's a, that too. You clearly know who the bad guy is. You know, yeah, you know. he's so gross because, like you said, the sound and the squelchiness, the like. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Zach. Like you, you tr- can hear triggering the grease on his fingers. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, trigger for uh, slurpy sounds slurpy uh, retrospectively. Sounds. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna uh, pull an amaranth and start um, humming, licking into the uh, the microphone. So you guys are safe. Pull a what? 
the Twitch streamers, like Amaranth. Oh, oh, like Amaranth. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. Um, Zach uh, could probably do it better, too. He's got a bigger <laughs> slurp factory to work with. Um, um, larger mouth resonating chamber. Well, so so to get back to Batman, though, um, two episodes that I think should have should be thought of together. Um, apparently, they're... They wait, wait, wait. Weren't... We're not done with uh, the prison oh, episode. Forgotten? Okay. No, yeah, no, yeah. no. So Forgotten was really great. Um, one, as soon as I was watching it, I was like, oh, why don't why don't we do that in like a movie? Like watching the whole episode, even like a section of the movie. Cause like Batman going undercover is kind of awesome. You know, you know what would, it would be awesome if they, for this, I, they're not going to do this. Um, mm-hmm. But for the sequel to the Batman that came out. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I mean, it would make sense with the arc of that movie. Um, not spoilers for that movie, but like, you know, Batman, being further entwined in the community and realizing oh it's not my job to just beat the shit out of people that's not a great way to get to get fans like it would be great as a second movie for him to like you know volunteer in a soup kitchen and hear about people disappearing and going yeah huh i wonder what what's going on there yeah For, for me that's probably the most redeeming aspect of that movie is the setup for something afterwards yeah um it's and it's really funny because god i'm watching that movie and i'm thinking about the end of the the first snyderverse superman movie and my heart is like this is how are we going to have a a superman moment in this batman movie <laughs> uh, because that's what superman's supposed to be like he yeah. is a model uh yeah for like what you should try to aspire to. Um, And this is what, this is something that Superman should be doing. Like this is, that's the take. It's part of the aspect of the take And the way that they have it here. It's more like the citizens are teaching Batman this, you know, the reverse way. Whereas that makes sense for Batman. Um, It makes more sense that uh, with Superman, he's a model for others and that, in reality, it's not because he's naturally greater. Um, it's because, like, he takes the best of, like, human morality and, like, interaction and tries to embody that himself, him not being a human, but does a better job than a lot of people would do. Like, you think about you think about one of these billionaires with, like, Superman's powers and abilities. <laughs> <laughs> Can you even imagine? They would they they would use those powers to make sure there were no homeless people. <laughs> yeah, and subjugate <laughs> subjugate the a- entire earth. Um yeah. like that's Lex Luthor wouldn't be as bad of a bad villain with Superman's powers as some of the actual human beings that we have. Um Yeah. Like we've well, seen that there's you know Lex Luthor isn't a hundred percent the worst villain. Like, yeah. Right and speaking, like, speaking of Batman, by the way, guys, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lex Luthor. Um, anyways, yeah. there are several comic lines where Lex Luthor and Bruce Wayne, like have a, have a, a, a back and forth. Yeah. Are you talking about the tips touching or were some different comics you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sorry, guys, but if 
you don't know who we are by now um yeah yeah, yeah. no but the uh, yeah like that the, the storyline of this like you said it's it's way more humanizing and places bruce wayne in the community um mm-hmm. in a way that is not realistic but that's not what these are for um but yeah like he gets the shit kicked out of him to the point that he has amnesia mm-hmm. when he's kidnapped and thrown in this camp um, yeah and tortured and put in solitary out in the blazing sun i and and, as an and adult, you realize as as an adult you realize just how and i'm gonna finish your sentence for you yeah. how sexy salt and pepper bruce wayne batman is like man that is a beefcake <laughs> give me some more of that stubble dude Anyways. Well, no, I think I think as as an adult watching it, it looks like they're making a reference to Bell Rev, mm-hmm. right? Because it's it looks like he's in Louisiana, which that's a mm-hmm. long way. What, whether yeah. you think of Gotham as Chicago or Gotham as Jersey City, um, <laughs> that's a long fucking way away from either one of those. Geography is very weird in this show because to the to I don't know if. I, I saw this, uh, you know, that episode fairly recently when they're getting to the um, prison camp um, yeah. because a great part of that too is Alfred has autonomy and like agency in this episode because he's like, where the fuck is Master Bruce? And I so like he turns on... Andy Serkis live yeah. action <laughs> getting some more spotlight. <laughs> yeah. And um, and he's still of the age and fitness level that he could he could do some stuff. I mean, yeah. Liam Neeson was has been going way on past oh, his yeah. uh, his prime in, in action. So you see, he doesn't know where Bruce Wayne is. He gets a call um, in the setup in the episode, and he's like, "Oh, he's out." And he's like, "Oh, I wonder where he is." And he has some kind of tracker thing he activates to try to find out. Um, and I think it's because he finds. Is it the Batmobile? I think he finds that. In, in any case, yeah. uh, but he goes back over and he, you know, basically sends the uh, the Batplane um, over to uh, rescue and like locate Master Bruce. But the point I was making is that on the fly there, there's like messas and like rock and like craggle, and it's like, where is this place? You know, <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Are we in like Arizona now, like New they Mexico? Fast and loose with it. Like yeah. maybe they were presaging um, Joe Arpaio. Maybe that's that's who that fat chicken sucker is supposed to be. Oh man, <laughs> I doubt Joe Arpaio is good at anything. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and could not give the level of a slobby knobby that is depicted yeah. in in that episode. Um, yeah, well, I mean, even even the like Killer Croc backstory stuff, like they make it seem like he w- he was in the swamps in the circus, just on the outskirts of Gotham City. And as an adult mm-hmm. watching it, it's like, wait a minute, <laughs> <laughs> swamps, <laughs> swamps on the outskirts of- is Gotham City, New Orleans in this universe? <laughs> it's really weird, New we Orleans, about Tampa. Like, where yeah. where are we? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, which is fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, did you also get snow here too? And it's like, oh well, where is this place? Yeah. Um, <laughs> every time you see the train come out, you know you have like a bridge. You'll just see like rocky, rocky, craggy areas. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, there's a lot of different geography present here. <laughs> 
Um, so moving on to another episode there. I think that was the salient point I went yeah. from, from that. Joker's Favor was just a fun episode um, for me. Okay. Just just in that uh, the premise of the episode is um, this accountant ends up owing the Joker uh, a favor. Um, and then the Joker basically just like follows him. Um, and the accountant um, gets into like witness protection. Like he has like a new identity, a new location. <laughs> uh, and then it's like two years later, I think, in, within the timeline. The Joker just like shows up and he's like, hey, so I've been keeping track of you this whole time. Um, and it's funny because I, I kn- there's a story in the comic book that's like that two where the um i don't think it's an accountant but i'm pretty sure it's it's the joker ends up following uh this guy and is convinced that like he needs a he needs a friend yeah like he needs like a friend um and in this episode the joker talks about oh you know you're like you know you're my friend etc i think um he might say it in like a throw-off line but it's interesting because i wonder if that comic story kind of borrows from the setup of this. Um, hmm. I mean, it's much more violent, but um, other than that, so. Yeah. But that was a cool episode. Um, I mean, a lot of the episodes with the Joker are really great. Yeah. Um, pretty Poison, um, Poison Ivy. Okay, yeah. episode. Uh, I think the second, the second or third episode with a villain tends up being stronger usually um because they they've already introduced them um so you have like um um scarecrow uh and then there was another episode with scarecrow that followed after i think there's so many so So the one that follows pretty poison in terms of air date even though it's two before in the production schedule that that i'd like to talk about which Mm -hmm. i think it's it's smart to pair these two because they're they're kind of the same story just with Mm -hmm. different focuses is nothing to fear Mm -hmm. which is the so so basically what happens in nothing to fear is scarecrow um is trying to burn down gotham university uh, and then he gets zapped in the face with fear gas. And so it's just this like deep psychological like exploration of Bruce's guilt at his parents' death. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, he's he's at once both not really responsible for it and then also really responsible for it. Yeah. Um, but the one that in terms of production schedule comes after it that, that I always pair it with um is last laugh where joker Mm -hmm. um you know gets in a blimp and covers gotham city in joker gas uh and and then alfred is affected by it and you know batman has to like scramble to find the antidote for the joker's attempt at committing mass genocide (laughs) (laughs) or not genocide but mass murder in gotham just by gassing the city um it's it's amazing to me how many times the criminals in this show are portrayed as doing really horrific things and like they don't 
they don't really pull punches like they're pretty upfront with the fact that yeah if uh if you have joker gas in your face like you're gonna die you're gonna look weird yeah. and then you're gonna die <laughs> yeah you're gonna get that rictus on you yeah just laugh yourself to death um yeah so nothing to fear cool episode i think uh yeah it's just an interesting setup there um I liked, I think Robin shows up in that episode too, because his friend is one of the athletes that gets affected. Um, uh, it's been a while since I watched it, but yeah, I mean, that, that sounds right. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, uh, let's see, or is this the one that's the first one? Okay, no, yeah, this is the Batman-focused one with his... Yeah, the he, next he's, time he's like hallucinating and yeah and, um, he's like his dad's face yeah yeah so yeah that's the other one with um scarecrow i think i i like as well uh that one robin shows up and basically scarecrow is trying to uh pull off bets um illegal bets on sports games and he rigs them by you know having the athletes come in contact with fear toxin but it has like a delayed effect release um so the one that was really i wanted to address oh one thing uh right off the bat which i meant to bring up before i forgot it so the batman the animated series intro is one of the only intros for a show one it's doesn't take too long um but i consistently don't skip it i just like watch it because visually it's just really cool to see um and it makes a great segue into every episode yeah one thing i did notice though which probably isn't intentional it's probably done for simplicity sake to not um put too much uh subtext and to make it like really simple for the viewer to get an understanding of what the show's about but looking at it as an adult, you can sort of read whatever, some kind of subtext into it. Um, yeah. So if you watch the intro, the guys come up to this bank and then you see them walk away and then the bank explodes and then they're just running and then they're on a rooftop um, and then the Batman punches the both of them and then leaves them out to get discovered. Nowhere in there is it implied that these guys actually robbed anything from that bank. <laughs> so in my head, these guys are just like anti-capitalists who yeah. are like committing a terrorist act to destroy the bank and their ledger and their collection of debts that they have. And I mean, Batman's what is like Batman, if not a cop. <laughs> yeah. So Batman shows up and he's like, I am a super rich guy and we're not blowing up banks. Not in my town. Not in my town. <laughs> not in my town. They were giving me 8% interest year over year. How dare you? Yeah. Um, and so in my head, I'm reading, these guys are just anti-capitalists. It's nighttime. Presumably there was nobody in that bank. Yeah. Um, at least in this universe, they wouldn't have had like a guard watching it or anything that would have got blown up. Um, yeah, because this is a, in a set in a weird time period that I really like, where yep. it does that thing that Archer does that that where it obscures when it takes place because y- you see like car phones and stuff, which would imply late eighties, early nineties, 
but then all the buildings and all the car styles would imply like the 20s mm-hmm. or the 40s yeah. <laughs> like, yeah very art deco it's it's um that's one of the great things i think about this show is is the the attention to detail that they put into yeah we're gonna twist this just so so it's it's un, you're unsure of where we're at <laughs> yeah there's a little bit of that i think um sort of in uh of course in the tim burton movies um more so in like they like stylistically they're borrowing from earlier generations and some of the architecture you know has that art deco tim burton sort of vibe but then this yeah. takes it and completes it um yeah yeah because really... tim burton is still pretty heavily stylized but you you can mm-hmm. like the way that people dress in that universe mm-hmm. would imply like 50s or 60s but like uh-huh. everything else is is present day I think. yeah they have contemporary <laughs> like electronics and, and yeah. whatnot so yeah that was uh funny to watch that and be like i mean is are these guys just like uh you know an offshoot of like occupy wall street that decided to get militant i mean what's going on here and then mr big rich guy <laughs> in his bat suit punches uh these two dudes out and then leaves them for the cops. Hey, yeah. um, <laughs> so that was just something I wanted to bring up while, while I remembered it. Um, ton of great episodes. Um, Heart of Steel Part 1 and 2 uh, was a great introduction to androids and um, yeah. AI, artificial intelligence. The, I think his Silicon Soul is a better episode um, with the robot batman um episode 43 in the hbo max um setup because then you have this uh copy of batman that um still gets connected to hardak who's the main villain in heart of steel part one and two this sprawling ai intelligence um but then basically like hardak like batman indicates did too good of a job in making his batman copy because his Batman copy has like this moral um, quandary and breakdown when he thinks he murdered like the actual Batman. And he's just like, oh my God, I killed a man, which is like, (laughs) is Batman's stated, you know, red line that he's just not going to commit murder because he's seen, you know, what destruction that is firsthand. Yeah. Um, We won't go into nerding out and being like, oh, well, like in the movie, that person... His, there's no way that uh, that bad guy in that flipped over car is still alive. He wasn't wearing a seatbelt either. It's like, I don't care. We're talking about the character specifically here. Yeah. Um, and so his like self-sacrifice uh, you know, of the um, his Silicon Soul line, uh, a really poetic episode. That, um, well, I remember seeing, making an impression on me. Well, I'm, I'm seeing here in the notes that apparently the entirety of the anime series of The Big O was inspired by that episode, his Silicon Soul. The Big O? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, an anime, it's a, uh, it's a mecha anime. Oh, interesting. That aired on Toonami from, let's see, 99 to 2000. So 13 episodes. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. One, so, one obviously had really, an impact on other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, one that I really like is uh, I've got Batman in my basement. Yeah, great. Yeah, really fun episode. It's it's kind of dark because these kids are are sheltering Batman because the penguin uh, poisons him, <laughs> and they're they're keeping him safe from the penguin and his goons so that he can like heal before they presumably murder him and will presumably murder the kids as well yeah yeah because <laughs> it's the penguin yeah and he's a violent asshole <laughs> um but yeah no like it's it's a really interesting story i'm surprised it's not a deanie story apparently it was written by sam graham and chris hubble mm-hmm. um who i i don't know who they are um but but this this storyline to me strikes me more as a Dini episode. Nope. Fun stuff. I like the uh, the poster of the Joker in the basement there. It's right yeah. above where Batman's <laughs> like snoozing and trying to heal. Yeah. <laughs> I the amount of times that Batman has been poisoned and sprayed with gas and stuff in these shows mm-hmm. is it's truly amazing that he doesn't have to breathe with like a like a, a pap machine yeah i mean <laughs> he's um he's definitely superhuman yeah. in the context of this series superhuman in one way and also like at other times they like to uh, curtail his power level um yeah. for like a situation so I've got Batman in my basement. The one thing I remember that about that episode is the the amount of uh, aviary aviary related puns and like bird related puns that the Penguin's given out. Um, yeah, I think his first appearance. I don't know if it's in that episode or somewhere else. Um, it's he's just like bird puns left and right, and I think they were like, okay, guys, let's let's dial it back a little bit. He's still going to have them occasionally, but let's not make them every line. Um, that's great that kid's got that ride or die uh friend of his that's a girl um she's cool uh kid's really cool i like the faberge egg that they have there so yeah like who who even thinks about faberge eggs anymore the penguin (laughs) yeah the penguin like he's (laughs) he's just gotta have that egg yeah because it's bird related and he just he has a place for it in his bird collection yeah um there's too many episodes guys um especially in the first season yeah um most of mine are from the first season yeah if i'm being honest <laughs> the two-face the two-face part one and two arc is great um oh which which one is that it's uh it's called two-face part one two-face part two. Oh, it's just two-face yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yep. That one's great. Um, the animation of Harvey Dent before he becomes Two Face and like the the anger that you can see like build on his face, yeah, is like grotesque because you can already see that he can like contort his face, um, <laughs> in uh, a build up to what will come. Uh, so much. Um, Perchance to dream. Very strange in this, mm-hmm. by the way, as well. Two Face. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's horrifying. You know. Yeah. He's almost like a frog lizardish. Is kind of the um, the feel I get. It's like a big eye and like his little bumps that he has. 
Yeah. Oh, I heard you say perchance to dream. That one is heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, because that that's the one where it's everything is is like his parents are alive. There's no Batman. There's mm-hmm. no Robin. Yeah, there's a podcast um, that uh, came out I think last year. Um. And it's about Batman. It's a it's a podcast. But it's a narrative story podcast. Oh, with um, like voice actors that are yeah portraying yeah okay. yeah. And in that one, um, Batman is uh, taken over and his mind is controlled. Um, I forget. I think it's. Um, Um, he ends up um, he's a coroner Batman Unburied Hmm. Um, and that was really great but it reminded me of that Um, so I guess that was pushed by David S. Goyer Um, Batman Unburied yeah so that's good I I would listen to that what that reminded me of is the Batman is basically um, his mind is being controlled and I think it's, um, God, it's What's-His-Face. Um, uh, hmm. uh, All right, so yeah, the Riddler is in there. He doesn't end up being a... The Riddler's actually really great in Batman Unburied. Um, just want to oh anyway spoilers guys for batman unburied um the riddler's <laughs> really great in batman unburied but i'm trying to see uh, batman unburied villain hmm. well the harvester is this guy collecting body parts but it's not actually the harvester <laughs> fucking a where Okay. Sorry, guys. Zach, uh, fill up the space. Okay. <laughs> um, I can't, so I can't I, let it go. Mm-hmm. I, I guess the, the last one today that we'll talk about, um, if you're fine with it, is Eternal Youth. Or the last one I have. Um, so in this one, so I, I think this one is another episode of a type of person that Batman or Bruce Wayne would not be in real life because this one is the one where um, there are kind of Bruce Wayne's circle of, of friends are are uh, disappearing after they they go to this this uh, eternal youth health spa and Hugo Strange friends. god damn it sorry huh? it's Hugo you Strange are? Strange. Strange. The, uh, so their only their only connection is that they have something to do with land development or or killing plants in some way um and then bruce wayne gets invited to go to the super exclusive health spa um and he's he's kind of misidentified one of the directors at his company um 
made a deal to destroy some some rainforest uh and bruce actually shut it down but alfred and his girlfriend go in his place that's the other thing is alfred kind of fucks in this show right Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but they um yeah it turns out that poison ivy obviously is running this health spa and has been doing again this this goes back to my love of body horror has been using a formula to turn these people into trees yeah (laughs) against their will which is fantastic like that's such a fucked up thing to do Um, but yeah, no, that that's that that's probably the last one I'll talk about today. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, so Batman Unburied, what what we actually came on the podcast to talk about, it's great. But what reminded me about Perchance to Dream is that, again, spoilers for Batman Unburied, um, it's the same kind of setup to where he's been put under, um, and it's kind of implied that, oh, something's wrong, because we know who Batman is. But in this universe, he's a coroner, and he's getting bodies that have been mutilated, like organs have been taken out, and he's trying to find this bad guy called the Harvester. And by the way, yeah. ASMR, like, the first time they go to, like... You hear bone crunches. And do you hear, like, squishes and, like, snaps as he's, like, ripping out, like, intestines and stuff? It's like... Yeah. It's... It's great. It's so delicious. I was listening to it in the car um, <laughs> with uh, my wife, and I just look over at her face, and she's just like, Ugh. "Just like, why did they have to go in such detail?" And I'm just like, "Yeah." <laughs> um, but it's like a mix um, of Perchance to Dream and uh, another episode that involves Hugo Strange, where he's putting people under. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's just takes that format, that idea in Batman and Britain runs a couple episodes with it and it's good. Um, the Riddler comes across, uh, is really, uh, re- like somewhat likable, um, in Batman Unburied. So anyways, if you're looking for podcast stuff and you haven't listened to it, you should definitely do it. Um, that's wild. It. I've never heard of that before. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, came out, um, late 2022 I was here see here like august august 19th this article was updated but i think it might have come out before that but uh great something where like oh these are the kind of stories you guys should be telling it's always like the non film verses uh or their other media that they just don't want to tell interesting stories because they're they're in their mind they're thinking like oh we just want to hit the billion dollar mark i just we need to make a billion, guys. We got to make a billion. How can we make a billion? Um, and so it's these, so frustrating. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all the really great stories that aren't necessarily billion makers, but yeah, seems like they're uh, at least um, coming to terms with that. Uh, in regards to, I mean, Batman and Beard exists, so obviously they they know that there's a market for it um, of people who want that kind of material. Well, I got to be honest, the um, and we, we were touching on this, I think, before we, we started rolling. But um, yeah, the people who were in charge of the DC animated stuff should be the people who were in charge of the live action films, because yeah. I can't think of a DC animated film that is just like, this is hot garbage and I don't want to watch it. Like mm-hmm. they 
they do their stuff like even like warner brothers animated in general like the mortal Kombat movies that, that are mm-hmm. that are animated like the the origin story stuff like really strong writing really strong performance way better than you'd think they would be um mm-hmm. yeah i i don't know i i think it's a huge misstep that all of these other random disparate properties are um the things being made that are way better than the big budget movies that are coming out. It's like, this is why you're not getting a billion dollars guys. Like yeah, you have a universe guys. Yeah. They already Use built it. it for you. <laughs> I mean, hell the most recent DC film that I, after this, I'll probably go watch it because I, th- I think it's down for digital downloads is, um, uh, the doom that came to Gotham, mm-hmm. which is this weird fucked up Cthulhu type, <laughs> <laughs> or hp lovecraft style batman movie and it's like yeah if that exists in graphic novel form um maybe it wouldn't be great as live action but they have access to this property and they're using it <laughs> yeah the long halloween they adapted mm-hmm. great. gotham by gaslight great <laughs> yeah so there's a lot uh and i think this show's one of the biggest things is that, Hey, you can have something really popular animated. It can hit a large market segment, but it doesn't have to be sanitized, mm-hmm. but it also doesn't have to be so goddamn gritty and serious. Yeah. Um, like Batman smiles. Yeah. Like he, he finds things funny and amusing. Um, and you can have I, Matt Reeves, uh, as, done some really great movies and i watched the batman movie and it was all right for me as a batman fan because it's like okay um some of this stuff isn't serious you know um you're not taking it as realistic as like nolan was trying to do yeah and that's cool you're still really gritty and hard which is great um but there's other stories that you guys can tell um like a Clayface story, um, or like Read My Lips, which was that last episode that I watched uh, with uh, Scarface and the Ventriloquist. Um, great story, you know. Um, Scarface, this ventriloquist Scarface puppet, is, is really creepy. creepy. He's really creepy. I'm surprised yeah. they haven't used him live action because that, like, that's something that. Yeah, really that creepy. They could. Yeah. yeah, and the thing is though. You you talk about including him as a villain, yeah. And people are like, oh well, he's he's a ventriloquist dummy. Like, how are you going to make that scary? It's like there's it's there's whole movie <laughs> there's whole movie franchises about scary dolls and ventriloquist dummies, um, even like contemporary from like a doll perspective. I mean, one of the villains from Goosebumps is a ventriloquist dummy. Yeah. <laughs> like, but the thing is, like, they can hit. They don't have to go like gritty. I'm Batman. You know, they don't need to go that hard. Um, but they also don't need to go like sanitized. There's a way to get like a middle ground, tell a story that appeals to a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, young people to older people. I can't imagine watching the last Batman movie as like a kid now and being like, oh, this is really cool. I'd be like, oh, okay. You know, he's punching people really hard it's kind of cool um but um 
Yeah, so it's just to say that they want to hit a large market segment. There's ways to tell the stories, and it's like it's been done so many times. Well, like there's a um, there's a movie that the animated team put out. It's an interactive movie called mm-hmm. Death in the Family that adapts the Death in the Family storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at it now. It's got average runtime of 95 minutes, nine different story paths, and seven different endings. Um, spoilers for a comic that's almost 40 years old, if, if not older. Um, Death in the Family is the story. I can guarantee you I know what choices you have to make because that's the one where um, Jason Todd gets murdered and beaten to death by the Joker with a mm-hmm. crowbar. Like, that's fucked up and dark and, and a neat, interesting way to push what the medium um, will provide. Like, yeah. you know, when I was a kid, I would have never thought that there was a way for them to make an interactive movie where you can control. That's like an actual runtime of a movie. Um, you know, they, they've always had little things that are like five or ten minutes or whatever. Um but yeah, yeah, no, the animated team, I think, doesn't get enough credit for, for what they do for the, the DC properties. Yeah. Um, they keep the fans happy, you know, for one. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So, um, and they've got a yeah. lot of stuff. I know, I know animation doesn't take nearly as long as live action, but like, I don't know. The, the live action stuff has been dragging, like... Um, what was it? Black Adam? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I saw that movie recently. I have wow. yet to watch it. I've yet Listen. to watch it. Everyone who has, even people who know me and my tastes in movies have said, there's nothing redeeming in this movie for you. There's no reason for you to watch this movie. <laughs> I, I was just out of my gourd watching that movie because there's just so many moments. Um, Okay, you remember um, the Scorpion King? Yeah. Uh, and ev- the people who did the work on that. The standalone movie. Oh, wait, I'm getting there. So okay. the Scorpion King, the people who uh, did work on the CG model to like get the rock's face and like try to figure out the skin plasticity. And they had a really like tight deadline. Um, and it was just like lambasted, like the Scorpion King's face when the character came out, finally, that big reveal, he just looked ridiculous and goofy, right? <laughs> so take that still frame of his face um, and that goofiness and the, oh my God, what is this? And stretch that out into a movie. And that is the Black Adam movie. Um, it There's lines in there, like dialogue between characters yeah. that feel like they're taken out of... Um, not to get on amateur films, but like a 12 year old filming um, a movie with his friends in his backyard. And he just writ up, wrote up a script uh, for this is how hero A is going to say this. And then hero A is going to say this. And these actors have to deliver these lines that are just. I mean, part of that, part of that has to do with how people like the rock and people like Vin Diesel have thing contract writers where like they can't get hit and get hurt and it's like okay well then like <laughs> why even bother being a fucking movie like yeah where's you just want to be 
the dude that runs through walls and punches people in the dick and makes them explode like okay cool i guess but oh man <laughs> this is what happens when you have guys grow up on 80s movies and that's that's their like pinnacle of like film production and so they 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 just go like even well, harder. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger would still get like beat up. Yeah, yeah. But so this is the way they one <laughs> up that. Like, oh, my bad guy is so bad you can't even hurt him. Like it's it's ridiculous. Like because even if you're using that barometer, it's like yeah, but like I don't know. In Commando, he gets the shit kicked out of him by, <laughs> by the guy that was in the Road Warrior. I forget his name. <laughs> yeah sometimes you need drama sometimes your character can't be the goodest boy <laughs> you can't be the baddest badass that's ever badass yeah um like shazam was cool i i liked shazam um i liked the suicide squad both of them says zach for different reasons um yeah i mean air air had six weeks to write that movie and didn't have final cut i i feel like if he was given an actual timeline to work on a movie uh-huh. it would have been better but you know there's that uh that end of watch i think movie that he did that kind of got some buzz yeah um, i think that's what got him the job because i think yeah. it came out right before an end of watch is a great movie um yeah. of you know of that action style it's a great movie and so uh, I think if they had maybe just given him a little bit more and didn't demand that it fit in with the uh, the Snyderverse depiction of things. And, uh, but, but then also also them being like, oh, well, gosh, uh, can we get that guy who helped out um, the Avengers movie and have him write some funny jokes too? So <laughs> it's like, okay. All right. Sure. All right. Um, oh God, Birds of Prey. But anyways, nothing compares to Black Adam. It's um, the power hierarchy in the DC universe has been changed forever. Did uh, Did you see where The Rock is being investigated by the SEC? No. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So the the uh, Rock is being investigated by the SEC because as a producer of his movie. Um, he he made some pretty wild claims on the box office returns, and because Warner Brothers is funding it, and they're a publicly traded company that could be seen as investor fraud. Oh gosh! <laughs> because because like, and it's so funny. Like I used to love The Rock a lot, and then now mm-hmm. like the more we see him in his like hustle grind, like toxic weightlifter culture. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then this this stuff, and then finding out about all the writers and his contracts, it's like, oh, I bet you're really not a great dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's kind of like when you just get so big uh, from a business perspective, and you're trying to capitalize on that business. Yeah. Um, you're you're going to become businessmen, like little by little, and yeah, there's decisions you have to make. Um, yeah in the interest of the business to do so from brand, even if it's not like, you know, strictly truthful or, you know, not like a clearly act super accurate statement, but you're like, okay, I got to protect my brand. Yeah. And whatnot and go from there. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. As uh, an entertainer, that's pretty much it. Uh, I'll, I'll watch things when I think they're entertaining from him, which Black Adam was entertaining, just not in the way the Rock intended. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I've I've heard it was. You need to see it. You you must see that movie. Well, I know I know someone that uh, they they watched it through some app, but like I don't know, I'm suspicious of the app because it just sounds like like pirated material that's being tracked. <laughs> yes. Um Because it's through an app. Like, why would they do that unless they're tracking who's? <laughs> anyway, uh, he was like. No, man, I watched it for free and uh, I wish I could have the time back (laughs) to watch this. Like, I feel like I'm owed a refund in some capacity from watching. (laughs) I I should get I should get a written apology for having to watch this movie. (laughs) There were so many times I turned to my wife and I was just like, did you see that? Wow. They just did that. He just said that word. And then that other guy said that other word. Well, like, it's so strange to me that they go with Black Adam because, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, like, he's he's an anti-hero, I guess. But, like, all he gives a shit about is protect, protecting Kondok. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he doesn't ever really leave the bounds because doesn't when he leaves the bounds, doesn't he turn into, like, a 900-year-old man? I think he, I know he gets weaker. Um, yeah. Uh, he gets his source of power the strongest there. and Yeah. I, I'm just, um, I'm surprised that they decided to go with Hawkman and um, Dr. Fate in this, in this, like, why, why would you, why would you do that? Like, those are so interesting. Some, some of the best dialogue, and I, I mean best in just like, amazing is between hawkman yes is between hawkman and dr fate wow i almost i almost want to rewatch it just so i can make it cool before like the thing with hawkman is that he's kind of an asshole (laughs) and the thing with dr fate is that he's kind of ineffectual (laughs) like he has this phenomenal cosmic power uh but like he can't really do anything like i mean he's that's not true. He he can do things. He's just he's. I don't know why they would put Doctor Fate in a Black Adam movie. It just it makes no sense. I guess. Yeah, I think Rock probably saw like fan casting for Pierce Brosnan for it. And he's like, oh yeah, I know him. He's a friend. <laughs> we'll bring him on. And the Hawkman costume is like, alternatively, it it vacillates between like looking cool and just being hilariously bad um yeah i've i've heard that there are some people that are like the cw show um had a better costume for the hawk people yeah yeah because it feels more Um, it feels more natural fits in it fits within the universe yeah yeah i mean it's not they're not great but they when they put them on that fits within the universe it feels like something that's consistent um with like the Flash's costume in the CW universe. Yeah. Oh god, I'm looking at pictures of the costume. Why would you do that? That Oh god, why okay, if so if you're gonna make this character, why 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 would you make this character? Because if you're if you're going with this, like you know you're asking for people to make fun of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, 
I love it. I love everything about it. That is, that is special. It's great. It's the best. Doctor Fate looks okay. I mean, that's that's about yeah. what Doctor Fate should look like. Yeah. Yeah. But we're talking about Black, about Black Adam now, so are we? <laughs> we should. All right. I we think should. I think we're done now. Yeah, we're we're yeah. probably done. I, you know, honestly, I think we could do this in two episodes. To be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, in that case, uh, we'll see you guys in another couple weeks with part two of our discussion of Batman, the animated series. Be kind and rewind. Yep. And uh, yeah, we didn't want to address it because it's a big topic, but uh, I just wanted to mention, you know, rest in peace. uh, The GOAT, uh, Batman, Kevin Conroy, played the role the longest uh everyone has their favorites and then one out but you can't say that um he didn't give a definitive uh rendition and depths and range to batman so well when i think of when i think of batman like audibly um, mm-hmm. this is the batman i think of like i i can't imagine what batman would sound like to someone who just immediately pictures like Michael Keaton's voice, for example, or Val Kilmer's voice or whatever. Like that just seems weird to me. Like Kevin mm. Conroy is the voice. Yeah. Um, and it makes sense that he, he, um, you know, voiced even through the video games, even. Yep. Um, the Rocksteady games, which Zach is a huge fan of. <sighs> he loves all of them. L- listeners will know that I, I, do not uh i i am pretty severely colorblind and there is no accessibility for that in these games they're they're just like walls of darkness that you walk through (laughs) for me (laughs) i just just can't imagine like that gaming experience and it, it just highlights how important accessibility is for audience or even just like you know um just getting more people to play your game well, like my favorite boss fight in there is with Bane, who is flesh colored because he's shirtless and he's wearing orange prison pants mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because I can see him against the <laughs> screen. <laughs> Arkham is so <laughs> is like even the Joker you think would be vibrant. He's not. Uh, <laughs> he's no. like a muted green and a muted purple. <laughs> I'm and just thinking just in my head the arkham knight and like the the incredible ambiance and environment and like the rain effects and the sound design and like how you can just like fly and then you can like access and hear like radio signals and you can decide to go it's like a grand theft auto kind of environment for being the batman and it is so awesome and then i'm imagining sitting and watching that experience and then basically um, instead of seeing all that and getting all that in there, just like muted blacks and grays <laughs> mixing together. And that's what you're seeing. And you're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> what are people talking I will say about? Arkham City is probably the most playable to me because Asylum mm-hmm. is so, like, you're in, in like, solitary units in a prison that are five miles under the Mm-hmm. Under the like it's it's just darkness um mm-hmm. 
and then Arkham Knight, you're in Gotham, but like, I don't know, they decided to make everything grayscale and black, and you can't see anything. <laughs> Arkham City, at least there's some contrast with the buildings, the flight makes it easy. Um, but yeah, for the most part, those games are terrible. The voice acting is great. Kevin the games are great. Arkham Knight is so good. <laughs> but I understand you can't you can't even if you can't access the experience then like yeah. <laughs> what what else are you supposed to get from it? But yeah, accessibility guys, especially for a game like that, it's, it's going to make so much damn money. Um, yeah, I was telling you, yeah, the g- give me the the NES game with Batman where he was hot pink all day because I can... Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Let me kick the shit out of KG Beast and Firefly. Yeah. Zach's like, this game is so much better than Arkham Knight. So much better than Arkham Knight. I can actually see it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it, guys. Um, see you next Bye-bye. time. Bye bye.